Our very existence depends on this. This black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but it's undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Good health and welcome to today's edition of the Wellness Watch. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Noor. We're pleased to have as our guest, Mr. James E.T. Jackson. He is the CEO of the Alameda Health System, a very large public health system in the San Francisco Bay Area, specifically uh, in the East Bay, and more specifically, a large problem in the Oakland and surrounding areas. Uh, Dr. Uh, Mr. Jackson, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Dr. Lenore. Thank you for the opportunity. We don't, uh, we don't usually have the opportunity to talk to such a young CEO of a large health system. Tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to this place, uh, how, you, how you got started, uh, and how you got to where you are. Thank you. Well, first of all, you're my new best friend because you called me young. But um, I, I, changed I changed the adjective deliberately. <laughs> um, I am a Bay Area native, grew up right here in Oakland. Um, I am the son of a physician. My father was an OBGYN in this community for a number of years. And I had the opportunity to really learn at his feet. Um, my aptitude was business. And so that's the direction that I took. But I had a lot of really strong mentors, yourself included. Um, and I really embraced the opportunity to um, give back to this community that has given me so much. And so I have a degree in public health um, with an emphasis in health policy and administration. My undergraduate degree is from Morehouse College in economics, and I've been doing healthcare administration for about 30 years now. How large is the health system? Alameda Health System is comprised of um, three acute care hospitals, San Leandro, Alameda, and Highland Hospital. Um, Highland Hospital is the only level one trauma um, center in this county. Um, John George, which is the psychiatric acute care hospital, is also a part of our system. We have four wellness centers, um, Hayward, Newark, Eastmont, and Highland. And then we also have the um, an orthopedic clinic as well as a bariatric clinic in Alameda. And so we are about 12 different distinct facilities across the county. Well, that must take a lot of money to operate. What's the budget? Our budget this year is just under $1.2 billion with a B dollars. Um, what a, um, what a um, large sum. Uh, and I think that it's important uh, to have that background to run a system like this. You know, recently, I like that, not just recently, but today, the FDA, um, CDC, I'm sorry. Let me, let me go through that. We can edit that out. You know, recently today, um, the CDC uh, said that they, you can now give booster shots to children, children down to the age of five. You know, we already have a problem with that in the sense that only 34% of the children in this country have received even one of the regular vaccinations. Um, and this means now that we have to try uh, and uh, catch up with just regular vaccinations to get to the boosters. African-American children uh, are without question less vaccinated than the rest of the children in this country. Uh, how does a large health system attack a problem 
on vaccinating children. Sure. Thank you for asking. We um, <clears throat> depend on synergies. We're a big system, but we could not do this alone. We have a very strong collaboration with the Healthcare Services Agency here in Alameda County. A part of the Healthcare Services Agency is the County Public Health Department. Those two organizations are led ably by Colleen Chavla and Kimmy Watkins-Tart. And so I partner with both of them. We also um, look to establish community affiliations with organizations like churches, such as BB Memorial Church, which is led by the Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames. We did a vaccination event with them last spring, and we were able to deliver well over a thousand vaccinations within a two-day period. So that's a very specific example. We also partner very closely with the Alameda Alliance, which is led by Scott Coffin, and with the Healthcare Consortium, which are community-based clinics, FQHCs, led by um, Mr. Ralph Silver. And so I believe in synergies and working with these other agencies um, in this county, in this community, I think that's our strength, is leveraging the unique abilities of each of those organizations to reach the population that you're referring to. You know, we now know that large health systems such as yours, uh, Medicaid, Medi uh, uh, Medi-Cal in this state, are now charged not only with delivering health system, health care, but also with dealing with some of the social determinants of health. Uh, that's a new charge for a large public systems. Do you think the fact that you grew up in this environment, you know these people, will allow you to better integrate um, your services uh, in with others within the community? You know, I believe that there is something to that. Certainly having grown up in Oakland, um, I think I have a degree of empathy and familiarity with this community that others would have to try to build. That's something that I, I come with. But I also believe in leveraging the abilities of those around me. There, I have an amazing team at the Alameda Health System, and I really I depend on them to be the subject matter experts. I think the, the secret of being a successful CEO is hiring people smarter than yourself and allowing them the space and giving them the resources to be successful. And so, yes, I have a degree of empathy and knowledge of this community, but it's really making sure that the right people are in place with the right resources to get this work done. You know, one of the things that bothers me as a physician who practices in this county, who lives in this county, uh, and who lives uh, in the state and, and maybe in the nation, is that they may have, I think, relaxed some of the precautions too soon. I think when we look around the world, only about four to five percent of the world is actually, well, I think largely uh, fully vaccinated. Uh, there are variants arising in various countries. Uh, and I just don't think that we are as vigilant as we should be. I think we have relaxed too quickly that we're going to pay a price for that. And vaccinating children is just one challenge. Vaccinating adults is as much of a challenge. Do you feel the same discomfort I do that perhaps we uh, started dancing a little too soon before the music played? It, you know, thank you, uh, dancing before the, I was thinking of uh, Leon Lett when he was running in the end zone and was celebrating and the guy knocked the ball out of his hand before he got in the end zone. So I do think that we may have fumbled before we crossed the finish line. Sorry, Leon Lett, if you're out there. Um, but yes, I think there is a degree of fatigue that has set in because you know we're, people are getting yo-yo. They're being told you have to wear a mask, you have to be vaccinated. And now they're being told, well, you don't have to wear a mask, but we're seeing the prevalence of COVID in the community going up. They do wastewater testing in our, in our county. And we can see that COVID is 
present in the wastewater in increasing percentages. And what we're seeing in the hospitals, we had zero COVID patients as recently as 10 days ago. Today, we have 16 within our system. And so COVID is still very much present. And as you said, um, we began celebrating too soon. And so um, I am anxious and I appreciate this opportunity to say the word to this community and to the country, let's not celebrate too soon. Let's remain vigilant so that we can beat COVID. To be more specific about some of the challenges, of the challenges that you face, uh, one of the issues around the country is black maternal mortality. Uh, black women dying during pregnancy, babies uh, still mortality, black infant mortality, still with all of the things that we can do in machines that we can bring into the, to the fray, um, black um, maternal uh, infant mortality is still twice as high as white infant mortality. You and your uh, health system have been fairly innovative in attacking this problem. Could you describe the problem for us very generally and some of the approaches that you've had uh, towards solving? Yes, and Dr. Lenore, I, I wanna acknowledge your role as a pediatrician in this community and the work that you've done to address um, child mortality, infant mortality, and you know, too long people have been working independently and on their own. What we have been able to do at the Alameda Health System is to develop a program called the Beloved Black Birthing and Centering uh, Program. And this program focuses on African-American mothers and allows them to work, live within a cohort of other um, African-American mothers who are um, expecting, and also to have the support of the care team, the, the OBGYN care team at the health system, which is inclusive of midwives. We have a very strong, very robust midwifery program. And I think that's the magic of the beloved birth black centering program. Um, that program is led by Dr. Kevin Scott Smith. Um, and Jaisha Wren is the midwife who really focuses on the, the black centering program. And I think those folks are doing really dynamic work. And I believe that the outcomes are gonna um, show the fruits of their labor. So I'm very excited about what we can do to really start addressing infant mortality. Well, you know, uh, the, one of the things that um, also we're very concerned about, obviously, is the Alito, I guess the, uh, the leak of the Alito decision or the summary decision for the Supreme Court to outlaw abortion uh, or leave it to the states, which essentially outlawed in many states around the country. So 17 states already have uh, restrictive and harsh abortion laws on the books. I go back to an era when, um, as an intern, I would have 40 cases of endometritis of my own, uh, each one requiring 8 million units of penicillin every eight hours. Uh, I remember the, um, the, the morbidity and mortality associated with, with back alley abortions uh, and illegal abortions. Uh, you're a large medical center in a fairly uh, tolerant state, which means it probably is gonna be a big influx of women into our areas. Uh, how are you gonna handle that? At the Alameda Health System, we consider abortion care to be essential health care. We understand that the decision to end a pregnancy can happen for a variety of reasons, and we will vigorously defend the right of all of our patients to make personal medical decisions for themselves with support from their providers. We stand with our patients and we stand by our providers, and we'll fight back against measures that thwart our ability to deliver equitable care to the communities we serve. And I said abortion deliberately because 
I think there's a tendency to shy away from that word, but that's the, the reality of it. And so I encourage all who hear this, you know, let's not be shy about talking about this. This is a, a real dilemma. It is, um, it, it's a crisis facing the, our communities and we need to take this head on. It would be one thing though, if uh, the abortion uh, philosophy, uh, non-abortion philosophy was associated with an increased willing to care for children who were born under those circumstances. But I don't see any evidence that they plan to ramp up the foster care system or any other system to take care of these infants. Uh, and I just think that, uh, what, you know, what I'm concerned about, and I think what most Alameda County residents should be concerned about, and you uh, obviously the large medical center is, how many more resources will you need to handle what probably is gonna be a substantial increase in the number of patients that you see for that particular problem. We, we do anticipate that w if this transpires as it seems that it might and the decision does revert to the states, um, we do think that there will be um, the kind of uh, division disparity in the way that care is provided regarding abortion services across the country and we could very well see an influx. And so we're in the process right now, Dr. Lenore, of really trying to understand the magnitude of what that may cause for our system in terms of our ability to deliver consistent quality care, because that's what we do. We will continue to do so, but we are the stewards of scarce resources. And so um, I cannot give you a number right now, but I can tell you that we're actively evaluating what the increase in volume might be and what we will have to do in order to um, make sure that the needs are met. You know, everybody struggles uh, with the term health equity. Uh, obviously, that means uh, the kind of resources that you have to deal with the problems that you have to deal with. Uh, certainly for at least the next year or so, that's kind of been a hot term and people have been more than willing to understand uh, and uh, be more engaged in trying to improve health equity among high-risk populations, certainly in the African-American community. What COVID did was re pull the sore uh, off, the, uh, pull the Band-Aid off the sore that is the American healthcare system. Um, what, did, what did the COVID pandemic reveal about your, your institution, institutions like yours? Yes. So one of the things that we saw was that individuals who have limited resources, this just exacerbated the problems they have receiving care. Our physicians, I'm so proud of the way that they responded. We fully embraced telemedicine, telehealth. And so we were able to continue to provide care to the entirety of those that we serve. And the reality is some people had better access by virtue of the fact that they can now do a, a telephonic visit or if they have access to a computer or, or a smartphone, they could do a visual visit. And so one of the things that we're really focused on is making sure that the compensation for telemedicine, telehealth continues because that was something that was done on an emergent basis through, through the pandemic, but those funds could go away. And if they do go away, it's going to disproportionately impact communities of color. And so we are actively advocating for a continuation of funding for telehealth, telemedicine, so that we can continue to serve the populations that need our care. You know, uh, it's interesting that you should, you should talk about that. You know, one of the things that always intrigues me is that the average citizen when they look at the Alameda Health System, doesn't understand all the things that you do for them. 
you know, uh, the fact that you have a state-of-the-art trauma center, the fact that you're there for pandemics and other things. Do you think that people appreciate just the right, regular tax-paying Alameda County, San Leandro, do you think that they, um, and Contra Costa, the, the, the services that you provide for these crossover places, do you think they appreciate what the public health system or the health system does for them? You know, it's, it's an interesting question, Dr. Lenore, but what I would say is um, our mission, caring, healing, teaching, and serving all, and we are committed to that. Most folks, they really don't want to think about healthcare. They don't want to contemplate that because it's not something that they're presuming that they're going to have to use, but when they need us, we're there. Um, I think that we could do a better job, frankly, of letting people know all of the things that you alluded to that we do on a regular basis. We have a CARF-accredited acute rehab service located at San Leandro Hospital, which is an amazing program. I don't think people know that. We have a stroke center at Alameda Hospital. I don't think people really know that. Um, the emergency trauma teams know that. When they're moving patients, they know where to take them. I think that's lost on the lay citizen, and I'm working actively with our team to make sure that we are publicizing um, organizations, elements of our organization like the beloved um, Black Birth Centering Program so that people know that they can come to the Alameda Health System, to Highland Hospital, located on the Wilmachan campus, and have an excellent Black birthing experience. So we've hit our light under a bushel to a certain ex extent. That's going to change. Uh, you know, I think the, one of the things that's going to happen, obviously, I keep telling people, you better get that health equity money now because it's going to, pretty soon most people won't even know the names of the people who generated the discussion. Um, and so a lot of things are going to have to change. Mm -hmm. um, not only are you getting on the one side probably more responsibility having to deal with these social determinants, but probably not an adequate amount uh, of funding. So you're going to have to give up something. Yeah. What are you going to give up? Well, nothing. And, and it's a fair point, but we're committed to continuing to provide the spectrum of services that we have provided. And so I, I love that you, Dr. Lenore, are fluent in talking about the social determinants of health because that's where the future is. And so we are working very hard. We have a, a heady committee, which is the Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, led by um, Arlene Gomez and Dr. Minnie Swift, our Vice President for Population Health. They are working every day to make sure that we are being mindful and conscious about um, equity issues and making sure that we're providing fair, equitable care to everyone. We just completed our next strategic plan for the organization. and. One of the key elements is a ring that goes around the pillars of the organization. And in that ring is health, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And the reason it's in the ring is that for us, Hetty touches everything that we do. So we didn't want to make it one pillar because it has to infuse everything that we do so that we're addressing those social determinants of health that you're referring to. Do you think, in, in terms of one final question, do you think that in the future, large Alameda, large health systems such as yours will be more strategically integrated into some of the private hospitals and medical centers uh, and health systems that are serving us uh, in areas like this? Will there be more integration of services, uh, more um, cooperation, um, more collegiality uh, between the public and private sector uh, for us to 
um, to exist. I noticed that there's nobody in Washington talking about health care. I mean, I don't see one person talking about a health care plan or, I mean, I've got Obamacare, of course, and I only should maybe ask you how that's impacted your delivery of services. But do you see that in the future, the need for all of us to take the resources that we have, consider them as one resource pool, and work together to provide a better quality care? The simple answer is yes. I think that's a little ways off, but the reality is, um, I think single-payer healthcare is probably the answer, but it will be a while before we get to a single-payer model, although things are you know, happening that I think are moving us in that direction. But to the first part of your question, I think we've already begun to see the partnership between public and private healthcare entities. Um, we are friendly competitors, if you will, but um, Kaiser has been a very strong supporter of the Alameda Health System because I think they know at an intuitive level that were it not for the Alameda Health System, those folks that we serve, they would be seeking care at private institutions like Kaiser. And so Kaiser um, partners with us. They have helped underwrite some of our key initiatives, and we are extremely grateful for that. Um, the county, obviously, is a key partner for us, and we have a very strong relationship with the county. Um, and I would just say that I see that becoming the norm. You also know that a lot of small independent hospitals are being either closed or they're being consumed by the larger systems. To that end, um, San Leandro Hospital joined our system about, now it's 10 years ago, Alameda Hospital followed shortly thereafter. And so those are community hospitals that we believed were integral to the communities that they served, but they were unable to survive on their own. And so we were able to bring them in, affiliate with them, and leverage their strengths and, again, create synergies with the elements of the Alameda Health System that already existed. And so, yes, I do think consolidation will continue. I think collaboration will continue, but it's a, it's a slow process. You know, you come to this job with a great deal of experience, confidence, and enthusiasm. You. Uh, you, know, you know, looking at the task in front of you, I don't know why, but, of course, it seems like uh, you're equal to that. What do you like most about this job? Oh my goodness. I, I love the people. I am every day overwhelmed and gratified by the people that I, that I support. Um, you know, I joke with them and it's not really a joke. Um, I work for them. They think they work for me, but I work for them. I see my role as it's a pyramid, but I'm not at the top of the pyramid. I'm at the base of the pyramid. I am at the very bottom and I support all of those above me in my capacity as the CEO. My job is to get the right resources to the subject matter experts and then get out of the way. And so what do I love about this job? I love that I have the opportunity to support these folks who are so selfless and doing so much for this community. And then I love that I'm serving my community. I see people that I knew growing up coming to get their care at the Alameda Health System. And so to have the opportunity to be in the lead chair in a system that is serving my community, it's really kind of a dream come true. They pay me for this, but um, this this is far more than financial compensation that I receive for being able to do this work. Uh, Mr. James E.T. Jackson, thank you for taking time to join us. We in Northern California feel lucky to have you in that position. You are kind. I'm grateful for the forum and the opportunity, and I look forward to speaking with you again. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.